Most actors would never admit to being a background artist. It's career suicide to do background acting. Don't dare do it. Whatever you do, do not use my name, Walter Keller, as part of the publicity or get my name out there in any way. That would be a terrible mistake for my career. This is LA's Good For You, Tinseltown, a podcast about the art, science, and business of filmmaking. Each week we bring you untold stories from the people who make Los Angeles the global capital of entertainment industry. Join us for your Hollywood 101. You will find them in every movie and TV show. No speaking lines, blending into the background. They are... The Extras. The Extras. Our guest this week is Walt Keller, who acted as a background actor in hundreds of productions, including Westworld, SWAT, Big Little Lies, and all the movies he's not even allowed to mention. How many productions, like movie productions and TV productions, have you actually been in as a background actor? Dozens. Dozens, for sure. I mean, uh, I was thinking about you know, how many. I, I'm not... I have no, I want to say I have no idea because you keep track of these kinds of things and, and I took a glance. I think my first year I did uh, 72 days um, of, of work and that probably accounted for, let's say, 50 different productions from TV, films, um, you know, a variety of different different kinds of things. But many of them big named kinds of productions and television shows and movies that you would know. I know because I saw you on was it Criminal Minds? Ah, yes. Yes, it was Criminal, Criminal Minds. Criminal Minds, the the season finale of this last year, I played a murder victim, a dead body by the name of Steve Conti, and um I was it was a background kind of uh, job because I never had any words, you know. And so that's really what background acting is to a certain extent. It is it is th- those people that you see on television, in films, that that don't talk. But you might see their face, you might see them acting, doing things, activities, any number of everyday kinds of life. Um, uh, but But they just don't have lines. So is this... This is the rule. Never any line, because the moment that you speak a line, then you become an actor? That is the rule. Then you become a principal. A principal, yeah. So, And, and that's a whole different kind of class and category. of. Uh, it puts you in a whole different pay scale, too. It's boom, uh, $900, $976 for the day, plus residuals. So, hey, you can't beat that kind of pay. How did you become a professional acting extra? Can anyone do it? Is there like a school that you go to? <laughs> well, uh, okay. Um, I wouldn't call myself a professional background actor necessarily or background artist, not professional, so to speak. I have been doing it a lot since I got here to Hollywood. Of course, I had this dinner theater for many years in Denver, Colorado, and I was an actor, produced, and wrote, and it was called the Lumber Baron Inn. We had great fun. We mostly did murder mystery dinners, but I had a theater background, you know, way back from college and blah, blah, blah. Okay. So when we came out here, it's a question of how do you break into television and film? And as you know, 
there's a variety of different ways to do it. There's no one way. There isn't a some kind of a magical door that you walk through and boom, you're suddenly, you know, on television shows. Unless, of course, you decide to become a background actor. And then there is a magical door that you walk through and you are on television shows and in films. And that really can happen. So <laughs> how did I start doing it? I was just chatting around with some of the other actors and they were saying, yeah, I'm working on this really famous show and uh, having a great time. And I got to meet this celebrity. I'm like, what's going on? How are you doing that? Like, oh, well, I I'm working background. Ah, oh, so I, you know, I got to investigate. And you start asking questions, you find out there are ways to get on set and to be involved in the production of television and film, um, even though you're not one of the main principal actors that have lines. And what types of people get into background acting? All types. All types. And types is, in fact, the operative term. Um, type Typing in acting in general, for anybody that's listening to this that wants to be in acting and um, is thinking about becoming an actor, the number one thing, the very first thing that you have to start thinking about is your type. That is, what are you when people look at you? Are you, um, what is your age, your race, your, uh, uh, you know, your look, your um, accent, everything about you, where you're from. These are all very important pieces to understanding your type. Because when it comes to films and scripts, these writers will create these imaginary worlds with certain types in mind for their characters. They'll write these characters and they'll say, gosh, I want to write a character uh, with a, a, you know, a Scottish guy with long hair who plays the guitar and he's uh, totally into sound and music and that's his whole thing, you know. And, and if you know somebody that's that type, you find an actor that's that type um, and, and, and boom, there you go. And so... Background acting takes all types. No matter who you are, what you look like, what you do, <laughs> you can get involved in TV and film as a background actor. Is it better to be quite unique in the way, you've, in the way you look to, or just to be a regular cup of joe? I suppose it, it, it all depends on, on what you've got. What do the person listening right now, you know, take a look in the mirror. What are you, what are you seeing? Are you seeing a, a regular cup of Joe type of person, uh, that every man kind of character, that girl next door that looks uh, so ordinary and, and could, could fit into a lot of different roles? Uh, or do you see somebody that's very specific? I remember working on this one show and I met the, one of the coolest guys um, and he looks exactly like what you would stereotypically think is a is a LA gang member, Latino gang member. I mean, that is his look. Well, it turns out that's what he did. You know, that's what he, he came from those those bad streets of LA. Uh, and and he looks that way because that's what he is. His tattoos, he has the hair, he has the look, he's got a limp. I mean, he's got the wardrobe, he's got everything to be that kind of role, that specific kind of role. He's not probably going to be cast in these uh, very typical kind of roles that, that I might get, 
you know, when people look me up on Facebook, Walt Keller, or on Instagram at Walt Keller, they're going to see a, just a very ordinary looking, you know, um, someday eventually middle age, uh, you know, Caucasian guy um, and a pretty ordinary kind of thing. And so I can fit a lot of different roles. But if you have a particular kind of look that is very unique, you're probably not going to be able to hit a lot of roles. So as a regular kind of person who can fit into a lot of roles. Yes. So let's talk about how much background actors get paid. Can you actually make a living out of background acting? I know there are two different levels, one when you're a non-union background actor and then when you join the acting guild for those uninitiated. Um, can you tell us how much you get paid per day? Right. Yes, I can. Um, although the pay is changing because here in California and in Los Angeles, they have uh, passed uh, some legislation to increase the minimum wage. Right. And so it, it's been kind of ratcheting up over the course of uh, the last couple of years. And I think there's a few more ratchets that are going. So depending on when you're listening to this, it could be changing. And I think right now, as I recall, uh, a non-union eight-hour shift is $106. And if you're union, it's $170, I think, okay, is what it starts at. Union, non-union. <clears throat> Sorry. Are there any perks if the day overruns, so it's not eight hours, it's 12 hours, if it rains, um, if you're exposed to heat, if you have to lie somewhere for four hours and not move at all? Suze, you know what you're talking about is the world of bumps, right? Bumps is the operative term. It's an amazing thing. And yes, everyone that does background is looking for bumps. Bump is is just exactly what you're saying. Little category uh, changes that will bump up your wage. Um, and, you know, for instance, um, <laughs> there, there's such a thing uh, as a smoke bump, right? If, you, if you're on set, and this is all thanks to the great work of the Screen Actors Guild and, and, and the union members uh, over the many decades that have fought for, um, you know, better wages and better living conditions for actors in Hollywood and around the world. And so, so what, what they've said is that certain conditions, uh, you know, require a little extra pay. And so one of them is like a smoke bump. Like right now, it seems like, um, gosh, almost half of the sets that I go on, especially if they're in a sound stage on one of the studios, they, they utilize smoke machines to kind of create this kind of hazy sort of condition. Um, and and they, they shoot in this and it makes for a really super cool atmosphere. But the good news for anybody that's working background, anybody on set for that matter, is that they get a smoke bump. I think it's like $15 or something. Uh, I was on a movie shoot in the fall. It was great. We kept getting a wet bump. Okay, wet bump. <laughs> they have these, it was like rain scenes. Now it was outside. Now this is, is going to blow your mind, but this is like, it was a massive kind of set, you know, tens of millions of dollars to build this thing. And they had to create rain because that's part of the script. Well, they had these enormous cranes that they brought in. And at the top of the crane, they had this unbelievable kind of rain making uh, 
piping and whatever. And then they had uh, hoses from these enormous water trucks. And they would pump this water all the way up this crane. I'm talking about five stories up, four or five stories up. And they would turn on the rain machines. And the rain would come pouring down on us. <laughs> it was like, you know... The rain was just like over us, though. You know, it wasn't over the entire area necessarily, but it was just, you know, let's say 50 feet by 50 feet. You know, this rainstorm was funny. But you got a rain bump for it. And so um, by the time, you know, if it, if you got smoking going on, then you got the rain bump. And, and you know, they have these other ones, too. Suddenly, that base rate of 170 or 106 goes up and up and up. And, and by the... By the end, man, you're you're making a few bucks. Plus, after eight hours, for the ninth hour and the tenth hour, you get paid time and a half. Uh, so that's good. And because many of these shoots go more than even ten hours, for the next two hours, you get double time. Right. So you get double time per hour after that. And if you get all the way up to 16 hours, you hit this magical thing that they call golden time. And golden time is where you earn for each hour your entire base rate per hour. So if you're non-union, that'd be one hundred and six dollars an hour into golden time. Now, it hasn't happened to me, and it's kind of this legendary thing that people will talk about in holding. They'll be like, oh, man, I got so close to golden time last week. It was great. It was great. But it was already great because if you're working 15 hours, it's good. And I know what people are listening. They're like, holy Toledo, I wouldn't ever want to work a 15-hour shift doing anything anywhere ever. But I'll tell you this, you know, this is not your regular 40-hour-a-week, 9-to-5 kind of working conditions. The movie business is not that kind of thing. This is not selling insurance. This, <laughs> this is an artistic endeavor. And so um, sometimes these scenes, they go on and on and on, and they have to get the shots. There's a lot to it. Let's talk about it. What does a typical day look like for a background actor? From the moment you you know you wake up, what happens? A day in the life of the background actor really starts the night before. Okay, it, it <laughs> one has to get their wardrobe entirely ready and packed, and you have to be. Um, totally prepared to go to set and be a hundred percent professional when you get there. It's not, on one hand, it's an easy job. Um, on another hand, it's really a difficult job because you don't get, um, you can't be late to this job. It is a job job. It is real employment. I mean, it may sound fun to be running around on set and working with celebrities and going to these very unusual and exotic places, which you do get to do. Um, all the time, but it is a regular kind of work. So when you come to set, um, you know, first of all, what's kind of cool is the night before you will get all your details, right? And the details come sometimes via the phone, um, but frequently via email, or sometimes they'll give you a, a website that you'll log into and you'll be able to look at the details. And the details 
are, you know, the answers to all the questions that you're going to need. For instance, what kind of wardrobe are they looking for you to bring? Because the thing about being a background actor is that you really need to be able to provide your wardrobe. They're hiring you as an actor, but they're also hiring what you can bring from a wardrobe standpoint sometimes as well. And so they're going to talk to you about wardrobe. They're going to give you in those details uh, a map and information about where the location is. But they are so detailed in terms of giving you information. You know, it isn't just the address to where the shoot is, but they'll give you maybe there's a special parking lot that is just for background uh, people or extras for you to park at. And then they'll shuttle you from that parking lot over to what they call base camp which will also be on the map. And base camp is, is this, this area of most shoots where there is this uh, grouping of trailers. There, um, you know, the producer's trailer's there. Usually hair and makeup trailer is there. Wardrobe is there. Um, and, and catering is there. And restrooms and the grips and electric. They're all there. Base camp. That's where everything's happening. What's holding? Holding is a term, and one of the cool things about working background is you're going to find this enormous Hollywood vocabulary. You're going to learn this amazing Hollywood vocabulary, right? Um, There are so many terms and so many um, um, things that you'll need to learn about, like holding. Holding is, is a place. It is exactly what it says. It's a place where the background people will sit and wait for their scene sit and wait for them to be needed. On any giving, given shoot date, there could be several different scenes, maybe a couple, three different scenes that they're going to be shooting where um, perhaps they're very different from each other. Maybe one of them is a is a outdoor street scene, okay, where they need pedestrians and they need car drivers, right? And so there's a certain look for those folks. But then they're also going to be shooting. And so the main characters are going to be doing a scene out on uh, walking down the street and saying a couple lines to each other. And they're going to need people passing them. And they need people in the cars. But then uh, later in that day, because they're at this location, um, they're going to go into a cafe. All right. And let's say it's not just your regular kind of cafe. Let's say it's uh, it's some unusual kind of thing. Um, I mean, it could be an S&M cafe, right, uh, where all these people are in bondage outfits. And uh, I mean, you know how Hollywood is. It could be anything. And so they need people that are going to look that part. And so <laughs> holding, you could have all the people in their S&M costumes, you know, sitting on one side of the holding tent. And meanwhile, all the pedestrians and car drivers, they look like regular people. They're on the other side. And so you can have this very strange mix of people. So while, while they're shooting the one scene, some people are in holding and, and vice versa. So what are some of the do's and don'ts for background acting? Well, there are so many do's and don'ts, um, and literally people are just going to, uh, you know, uh, how do I start this? Hmm. There's so many do's and don'ts to background acting that one, when they 
become a background actor and you get into it, you need to immediately start asking the folks that you may have signed up with, you know, about these kinds of things. And frequently, the organization that you sign up with, or whoever it is, will give you a list of these do's and don'ts, and you should read them. But, you know, they're, they're pretty basic common sense things that um, apply to most every kind of job. So always be on time. This is like one of the major do's, you know, always be on time. Always have, I mean, if they're asking for wardrobe, for you to bring wardrobe, and frequently what's interesting is they'll ask you to come. Let's say I'm going to be a pedestrian. Pretty basic. Almost anybody can do a pedestrian scene, right? You're walking down the street. All right. So you come in one outfit and then you bring two additional outfits. Yeah. And when you do so, you might want to have a, a suit bag, all right, where the, the clothes are hung up. Now, it seems like common sense that you would have your clothes hung up on hangers and in good condition and maybe clean, right? And not wrinkled. But let me assure you, there are people that show up and they literally have their clothes stuffed into a duffel bag and they pull them out to the wardrobe people and they're like, hey, um, you know, they'll go into, they'll go to the wardrobe people and the wardrobe people will look at them and they'll say, okay, what kind of, what kind of other looks did you bring? And they'll pull this thing, this rumpled up, you know, sweater or whatever out of a, a duffel bag and they'll be like, well, I have this and it's red, you know, like, ah, oh, no, no. And then the wardrobe people might have to dress them in their wardrobe. They don't want to have to do that if they don't have to. And why do they have to have looks? Well, they have to have a couple different looks because what if, Lauren, you and I show up to the same set and we're wearing the exact same color, the exact same outfit? Maybe we both have black and white striped shirts. You know, it's the weirdest looking thing, but it would be weird to have two people looking exactly the same. They're trying to keep you in the background as a background artist and not have you stand out in some unusual way. So, for instance, one of the do's is, is to wear usually pretty muted kinds of colors, right? You wouldn't want to wear super bright kind of colors like neon pink or bright red or even white, for instance. I wore this blue shirt today because it is one of the rules that I found out about. One of the do's, one of the don'ts, one of the don'ts is, is for men, don't wear a white dress shirt. What? I mean, 75% of dress shirts are white. What are you talking about? Don't wear a white dress shirt. Well, it turns out that white is like um, like poison to these cameramen and these lighting dudes. You know, they, they, the light reflects off of the white and it, it causes problems for the white balance in the, in, the, in the scenes. And so white is generally bad. So muted colors, like what you're wearing right now, this gray, uh, this kind of tan top and black pants, you look great. You could walk onto any set right now and you would be fantastic, I'm telling you. I'm just curious, what happens to these people who don't follow these rules? Are there consequences? <laughs> Have you seen anybody get in trouble for doing this? Oh, yes, absolutely. You know, and it's funny because we're talking about wardrobe here a little bit. And, and uh, I, it took me a while to learn this. You know, there's a learning curve involved, as there is with everything. And, and the wardrobe people on the set actually wield a tremendous amount of power when it comes to background people. Because um, 
the production spends a lot of money on the wardrobe. And when people uh, show up with strange things, like for instance, another one of the don'ts is don't bring anything with logos, right? You can't have a big, you know, like Snapple logo on your shirt or something and walk around because the production hasn't you know, cleared the logo. So they can't have these logos, no matter how innocuous you may think it is, they can't have these designs um, on film, right? And so so it's, it's a real problem. And that goes, believe it or not, even for things as simple as tattoos, okay? Let's say you've got a tattoo on your arm, right? Or wherever it is, and it's visible in the scene can be a real problem. In fact, uh, <laughs> it turns out that the tattoo artist has to give clearance to have his or her art in the film. And so people that have tattoos have to have letters with them on their person of clearance from the artist that say that it's okay for them to be able to be seen. Now, there are some scenes where it calls for having people with tattoos, right? And so, um, but all those tattoos have to be cleared because it could be a logo. What if I had a Snapple tattoo on my arm, right? <laughs> You'd have to get the clearance on that. Good luck. And what about the do's and don'ts of cell phones and social media? Oh, yeah. Well, that's a good one, of course. I mean, there's no... Nowadays, uh, it's it's a big deal. Oh, the, the cool thing about doing background acting is that you get access to the very top of the A-list, up close and personal. You get to be right there watching them work. And, um, it, you know, if, if things work out, you may even get a chance to chat with them. They may chat with you. And that's one of the do's, is that if they come up and chat with you, like Anthony Hopkins did uh, with me on Westworld uh, season two. Uh, he came over and started chatting. This is like one of the best dudes in Hollywood. I'm telling you what, there's a reason that he has a sir in front of his name because he knows how to treat people. I'm telling you, this guy is awesome. He'll come over, he'll talk to you, he'll take you to lunch. I mean, there are some people that are fantastic on the A-list. And there are some people that may be fantastic, but may just be too busy with their work to be able to say hello or be able to talk to them. So it's really important never to approach any of the actors uh, and talk to them in any capacity whatsoever. You know, If they talk to you, it's a little different, but definitely do not talk to them. You talked about the wardrobe people and how much power they have in, sort of in the production setting. Yes. Um, let's talk about how background actors are being treated by other actors and crew and production assistants. Yeah, well, this is a sticky widget, isn't it? Background doesn't always get treated the best on set. And there's a number of reasons for that, because what, you know, these film productions and TV productions are actually sort of a, um, a, a, a small closed group of people that work together, have been working together for days, weeks, months, maybe even years. That is the lighting people, no, the wardrobe people, no, the uh, makeup and hair people, and they all work on the principal actors that are there on a regular basis all the time. And 
they're the ones that are talking with the directors and with the director of photography, all these various characters. They're all this big club. But for certain scenes, they're going to have to bring in background actors because they can't just shoot their movie just in this one little room with just these little people. They have to make it real. And to make it real, they have to go out into the real world with us, the background players. So background is really just invited in for these rare and kind of special occasions to be part of this group of people. They're just guests. They're guests for the day. And maybe that day turns into three days, or it's a week, or it's two weeks. But they're still just guests. And when you are a background actor, you should, you should consider yourself a guest, a very special guest. And be sure that you, you know, watch your boundaries and don't push too much. And don't, just like you would go to someone's home, you wouldn't want to behave in a weird or obnoxious way. You wouldn't want to go into the refrigerator and start filling your pockets with the goodies at, 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 at a person's house, right? And yet, there are background players that will go over to craft services. They'll open up their duffel bag and they'll start, you know, putting things in, you know, like whatever, apples and granola bars or whatever. And it's one thing to... <laughs> To have something on set, have a little snack while you're doing your work. It's another thing to be this, this obnoxious kind of guest that you don't want to be. So as a result, this closed group of people that have been working together, when they see these unusual behaviors from people, they, they don't always treat them as nicely as they maybe would if they're good guests. I can say this, if you're a good background player, you go in and you act like a normal human being, you're going to be just fine. Are there any disadvantages to being a background actor? As we mentioned before, it can hurt your acting career. Yes. It can hurt your background, your acting career. It can hurt your acting career. Maybe. I guess it depends on... Well, you know, your acting career and what you think about it and, and what you're doing with it. I, I really don't see as much of a disadvantage unless, of course, your acting career is just to be a background artist. You know, if that's all you want to do, um, then I suppose, you know, it can be limiting to other things. But then again, if that's all you want to do is be a background artist, then you're being a background artist. It's What's what's to hurt, right? Now, some people will say, hey, you know, uh, casting directors here in Hollywood that uh, cast people for speaking roles for principal jobs are going to look at you. And if you're always working background, then, you know, maybe they don't really start looking at you as a principal or not. Well, you know, my philosophy on that is pretty simple. If you can act, if you have talents, and you look good, and you know what you're doing, are you really not going to be able to get work in this town? I mean, come on, this is a competitive situation. If you're talented and you can act, you don't think that someone isn't going to be able to hire you because you're doing background acting? Ah, well, I don't think it's because of the background acting. However, background acting can take you out of circulation for auditioning. Hmm. 
Remember, we were talking about 15-hour days. Well, if you're on a 15-hour day, I was just talking with an actress last night. She was on back-to-back shoots, all right, um, on an HBO show and another show, and 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 she was out of commission, that is, out of communicado, couldn't talk to anybody, couldn't communicate um, with, with an, a potential agent, for instance, who might have wanted to bring her out for an audition. She was tied up. She was on set. Many managers and agents will say, we don't like you working background for 15 hours because what if we get a call for somebody who wants you to come in and read for a part? You're not going to be available. And if you're lucky enough to get a job, a background job that is more than just a day, let's say it's three days or four days, you've made this commitment, it really can interrupt the rhythm that many actors are looking for when they're going out on auditions. So that's kind of the problem with background acting. It's hard to do it. It's not the kind of thing that unless you want to be a background actor and you don't want to be a principal actor, you never want to say a line. And trust me, there are plenty of background actors that fall into that category. Um, you know, that's, that's the big kicker. In line with that, can background work offer a stepping stone for acting roles? Well, there you go. Absolutely it can. Um, to me, there's no better way to learn about being on set than to be on set. And when you're sitting there and you're watching the process of, let's say, Meryl Streep, okay, one of the greatest actresses of all time, or like on Westworld, you know, I was in three different scenes uh, with Tandy Newton. She won the Emmy last year for those roles. Now, I'm not saying that I was just her good luck charm, but I might have been um, because, you know, I was also on Big Little Lies and Nicole Kidman. I was in scenes with her and uh, I mean, she won the Emmy the year before. So I don't know. It could just be me. It might be something else. But the truth is you can learn a lot and not just from the actors and their process, but also it can get you comfortable with the idea when of of being on camera and what it actually takes for people to be on camera um, and, and how they work with the directors and the assistant directors, the pacing of the day, um, everything about it. The there are plenty of rules once you get on set. We could do a whole other show about on being on set and, and set etiquette. Set etiquette is a very important thing. And I'll tell you what, I would pity the regular actor that's never done background, that shows up, who has gotten their big break, okay, in a speaking role, and they show up on set, and they don't know anything about being on set. Oh, man that could really interrupt their ability to be able to put on a great performance for the day. You know, for aspiring actors, um, we know that background work is one of the quickest way of joining a Screen Actors Guild, or SAG-AFTRA, as it's called now. Um, you're in the union now, and congratulations. Um, how did this come about? Because we know that there is an entire process to it, uh, there's a talk of vouchers and the things that you should be doing and you shouldn't be doing in order to actually qualify as a background actor to join the union. Right. Well, that is one of the great advantages to working background is that it can be a fast track for getting into SAG-AFTRA or 
even if it isn't a fast track, it's at least a track. And you're right. It, uh, one of the rules for getting into SAG is that you have to have three vouchers. What is a voucher? A voucher is actually just a, 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 a it represents a day of work on a SAG production. And most in LA, most of the things that you're going to be working background on in a professional kind of way are going to be SAG sets. So you're going to be able to get a voucher if you, <laughs> what are the rules? It is a little complicated, right? Because while many of these productions are SAG productions, for television and film, there are rules for how many SAG-AFTRA actors they have to have on set before they can hire the first non-union player. Now, don't quote me, but I believe that in television, it's like 23 is the number of SAG-AFTRA actors that are on set. And then the 24th person on set could be a non-union actor. And the 25th and the 26th and the 226th, they could all be non-union after that, so long as those first 23 or 24, whatever it is, are SAG. And so there are occasions where, as a non-union actor, if you um, show up on one of these days, and let's say that one of those people didn't show up, one of those first 23 or 24 people did not show up, you might get selected to fill their spot, and you get paid to be a, uh, uh, you know, a, a SAG. You get a SAG voucher. So the first 24, 23 are SAG vouchers. The rest of them after that are non-union vouchers. Those non-union vouchers don't count towards getting SAG membership. Now, I want to talk about craft services. Yes. And, uh, you know, for our audience members who don't know what craft services are, I actually have to look it up. Um, it's a department in film and television and video production which provides cast and crew with snacks, drinks, and some other assistance. How does it work on set? What? How many times do you get fed? What kind of food is there available? Is this like one of the biggest perks for background actors? <laughs> well, craft services, or as we call it, crafty on set, is really only part of the food landscape. More on that in a second, right? Crafty is... Uh, is again, it's part of the crew. Okay, this, these are people that are there every day, and they are basically assigned to put together this like really fancy snack bar. Okay, and if you can imagine, you know, like candy bars and fresh fruit and, um, you know, nuts and beverages like coffee and juice and just almost every kind of snack that you would like to have is right there at this little snack bar. Now, depending on the set, some of them will add on extra things. Like, for instance, they'll have like uh, maybe a little um, Chinese buffet. Or, uh, I mean, I've seen a fajita bar. I've seen a taco bar. I was just at one where we had nacho bar. It was really great. Um, and these are kind of like, um, they will do it once a day to, to have these kinds of things, these little extra um, food opportunities. But the crafty, the craft services area is like always available on most of these places. And they are 
for the crew. Okay, crafty is for the crew and for the SAG, those first 23 people, for the SAG actors. The non-union people don't get to go to crafty, the, the regular day-to-day crafty. On these big, like I was on, on one of these days on Westworld last year, they had this huge finale scene. It was absolutely fantastic. There were like 300 background players. So as we know, there was just a handful of SAG, and then the rest of them were non-union. And what they do in that case is they set up a special non-union crafty where they have a much uh, kind of lower level kind of uh, snack thing where they'll have chips and pretzels and they'll have like a big box of raw fruit apples and oranges and bananas hey nothing wrong with that it's fantastic to have anything to be honest but then they'll have you know just lemonade and water and that's non-union crafty meanwhile over at the union crafty they've got all kinds of goodies it's only part of the food landscape because then there's catering and when you watch the movie credits, you're going to see catering. You're going to see craft services. What, what, what are these two different things? They are two different things. Catering is what you are the people that will serve you lunch and breakfast and maybe a second lunch or dinner or something like that, right? And, and it is a full-fledged meal, and it can be fantastic. And this is for everybody. Uh, that is union, non-union, everybody on set gets catering. And yes, that is really one of the great perks is that you don't have to, if you're doing a 15-hour day, you don't have to worry about eating at all. As soon as you get there, you'll be able to have breakfast. They'll have breakfast set up for you, which could include like an omelet bar. It, it would have, you know, um, also uh, chafing pans with, you know, eggs and bacon and, of course, potatoes and, and you you know, all kinds of goodies and muffins and donuts. Oh, my God. And that's just breakfast. Then when you get into lunch, salad bar, it's amazing. Just all kinds of choices. Okay, so what's the best food you've ever had <laughs> on set? Well, okay, so, you know, since I've come out here to California, I've converted, as uh, many people do, I, I now stick to a vegan menu, right? And so... Um, the things that really turn my crank uh, are not the same that somebody else might talk about. But the things that I love are these unbelievable salad bars that they have. I mean, they have, you know, like four different types of lettuces. And then they have like 20 different choices of, you know, ingredients that you can put on there, like corn or beets or peppers or carrots. Everything you can imagine, about 10 different dressings. Just, I mean, salad bar to die for. It's fantastic. And then, of course, they always have hot vegetables, too. You know, they always have a hot vegetable and hot starch. It could be potatoes or it could be, you know, whatever. It, you don't have to worry about the food. The food is going to be fantastic when you come and, and work as a background actor. It's going to be awesome. I'm very disappointed with this answer. I was kind of hoping for like crab legs and stuff like that. Uh, okay. That would rock my boat. Listen, I've seen it. Absolutely. I've seen all, I've seen plenty of dead animals out there, all right? But <laughs> crab legs for sure. And now for some practical advice. Central Casting in Burbank is the background acting agency. How do you register? Okay, well, it took me a while to figure this whole thing out. Um, that uh, when you think about 
all of the productions in town, all the TV and film productions. Imagine it as a big circle, right? A big pie. About half of them, from what I understand, are run by central casting. Okay. And the other half are run by uh, smaller uh, casting companies that are kind of niche-oriented. Maybe they're very good at doing... Um, period films like 1940s, 30s, 20s, whatever, those kinds of things. They know how to find those background actors. And so there are these other companies, these smaller companies that handle them. Central casting, yes, they handle many of the, they're kind of like the retail background provider for Hollywood, you know, for all of the big, big productions, you know, from Netflix to NBC to, um, everybody. Um, but there is a company that uh, I want to turn you on to. Um, they're called Extras Management. They're right across the street from Central Casting. And if you use my name, Walt Keller, it'd be a really good thing. What's cool about them is that they work kind of with the whole pie. That is, they work with all these small casting companies in town. And they also work with... Um, uh, central casting. So a person can sign up with them and they are what's called a calling service. Okay. And it took me a year and a half to figure this out. I am just dropping some major knowledge on your people. These calling services like extras management, you can literally walk in there like tomorrow and get an appointment and start getting your photos taken and they can start getting you work immediately. That's the cool thing about them. Um, plus, like for instance, uh, they got me a job on one of the coolest films that's going to be coming out this summer, Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Wow. Right? Now, I can't speak for, for the production company, Quentin Tarantino's production company, or anything as to why they use this smaller casting company. But my guess is... Maybe it's a, it is a period piece, but maybe it's because they wanted to keep it quiet. And in Hollywood, especially now in the times of social media, um, many of these productions are turning to these smaller casting companies so as to not have any issues going on. You didn't hear it from me, but there is a Star Wars production going on in this town right now. You won't hear about it because, you know... It's it's one of these smaller kinds of things. Very difficult to get hooked into it or to find out any information about it because there are very few people working on it. You know, so they keep it very tight-lipped. If there was one piece of advice that you could give to anyone who wants to try their hand at background acting, what would it be? My advice would be not to use your real name. No. What would be my advice? Um, golly, uh, something we haven't even talked about, and this is going to blow things up for you. Um, buy a blue car. (laughs) 
Okay, well, let's talk about it more. I do have a blue car. You have so. a blue car. You're perfect, right? Because as it turns out, background is more than just you, yourself, your wardrobe. It's also your car. You'll find out pretty early, pretty quickly on when you sign up at Extras or at Central Casting that they're going to want to know what you drive because they need cars for these uh, TVs and films as well, right? Cars parked on the street, cars driving in and out, this and that, in a parking garage, you name it. They need cars. But they don't need three particular colors of cars. They happen to be popular colors, red, black, and white. They don't need red because a red car driving down the scene kind of pulls people's attention away from the main actor or actress or whatever they're doing. They're like, what's that red car? So they don't use red cars. They don't use black cars because black cars actually create a mirror effect. Okay, and so if you're looking at the black car, it could be reflecting all sorts of things that the production is trying to keep out of your, your eyes, like the camera, for instance. And white is the same problem with the white shirt I was talking about. It, it causes a huge lighting problem. It's like this boom. It's this big explosion of white light. It can throw the camera off. So a blue car, very popular. And what I didn't tell you is that I was able to get my SAG membership because two of my vouchers, my car got... My car got me these jobs. I happen to be lucky enough to have bought a blue car because I like a blue car. And I got booked on Silicon Valley, HBO show. And because I had an electric car, they were like, oh, yeah, we need an electric car. And if you have a blue car, it's perfect. And because it was a scene that didn't involve a lot of people, that is less than 23 people, right? I had my car and we... And it was just a couple principles that day, and everybody got union vouchers. So your car can get union vouchers sometimes quicker than you can. So here's perfect advice to everybody out there who wants to get their union vouchers as a background actor. Buy a blue car. Buy a blue car. Courtesy of Walt Keller. And that's all, folks. You can catch us on Instagram and Twitter at LA is Good For You. Our podcast is recorded at Rosinante Studios in Delray, recommended for all your low-budget recording and sound editing needs. 